welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, this is Anthony Diana, a partner of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group, and welcome to Tech Law Talks and our podcast series for private equity firms on how private equity firms can maximize the value of their portfolio companies through effective management of technology and data risks. Today, we are joined by Gary Barnabo from Cross Country Consulting, Catherine Castaldo, a tech and data partner at Reed Smith, and Sheik Shah, senior associate in the tech and data group at Reed Smith. Today, if you heard our last podcast, we talked about the why private equity firms should, should proactively manage tech and data risks of their portfolio companies. Today, we're going to start talking about how. And the how specifically is we're going to focus on tabletop exercises as one step a private equity firm can take to effectively manage the tech and data risks for their portfolio companies, particularly around the data breaches. So we're really going to focus on if there's a data incident by the portfolio companies, which we all know is going to happen at some point, when and how the private equity firm should get involved. So first, Gary, I'm going to ask you, like, why should a private equity firm care if one of their portfolio companies has some type of data incident like a data breach? Yeah, Anthony, thanks for having me on again. And this really gets back to something we talked about in our previous episode, which fundamentally it's about loss of value, right? So data is the lifeblood of most companies today, whether that's sensitive customer data, whether that's kind of secret sauce, intellectual property, intellectual capital, whether it's sensitive financial plans, strategies, M&A data. And if that data is leaked, lost, sold on the dark web, put out in the public domain, you're going to see a loss of investor confidence. You're going to see the value of the investment depress. Uh, potentially pretty significantly. And then there's the sort of indirect reputational consequences of this for a PE firm. You don't want to be in the news with your portfolio getting hit. Maybe once you can get away with it, but if it were to happen two or three times, investors, general public, the industry is going to start to go, what's going on with that that private equity fund, that private equity group? Um, Limited partners are going to start to take notice. Yeah. And then Catherine, do you think there's, I know we talked a little bit about reporting requirements for private equity firms, but if there was a major data incident for a portfolio company, do they, would the private equity firm have its own obligations to possibly report to someone? It, it depends certainly on the on the status of the private equity firm, but also I think it depends on how impactful the incident was because it, materiality is key. So, and to the extent that they have shared systems or they have um, any sort of uh, disability on their own side, or at least if, and also if the company materially loses a lot of money, um, those can all affect that material materiality uh, consideration. Yeah. So, and and I would assume some of these portfolio companies may have significant, you know, data of the private equity firm itself that may be sitting in the portfolio company, right? I mean, it's that's possible. I know mean, there's going to be back and forth, but I think that's obviously something that they all should be worried about. I'll just say one more thing on that. We see cyber threat actors getting very smart that if, hey, I can get to one portfolio company in a fund, I'm going to see if I can get to others. So it's something P firms have got to be on the lookout to get hit once, watch out, they're going to come for the rest of the portfolio. Relatedly, you know, a lot of times uh, right now we're seeing the cyber actors working in concert over the uh, types of industries that they're targeting all at once. So if a portfolio company is concentrated in a particular industry, that'll also uh, put more risk on them. Yeah. Okay. So then 
in terms of the, the importance of tabletop exercise, right? There should be an incident plan. We talked about this. I mean, I think most people on the call probably know what that is. But if can someone just say, what, what is an incident response plan? What is a tabletop exercise? What's the importance of it? And then we'll talk about how private equity is going to do it. Maybe, Catherine, if you could start. Sure. An incident response plan is typically a, a subsection or a separate policy adjacent to an information security plan, which is required uh, by law in, in several different uh, jurisdictions and regulations. So it, it dictates how the company will respond uh, to various incidents. These can be anything from uh, weather-related events, unrest of any kind, like political or financial, but also then uh, uh, certainly a cyber event is typically top of mind incident response. It sets a team that'll be responsible, and sometimes it's just one person, but that's how they get started. <laughs> and then from there, they can build a uh, tabletop exercise off of that, which is a mock simulation of an event um, that allows them to work through all of the aspects of both current recent type events against their system and test out any weaknesses that might be present in their incident response plan. Okay. And then uh, Gary, I mean, in terms of, you can explain why would it be helpful or interesting or whatever to have a tabletop exercise where the private equity company, like the actual investor is actually involved in the tabletop exercise, which I don't think is pretty common right now. You can tell me otherwise, but I don't think that's common right now for tabletop exercise, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, it's not. And it's certainly what we see with our private equity clients. And, and look, I think the first thing I'll say on this is, is just, you know, Catherine described the, the plan, the, the policy. That's really your playbook, right? We're, we're here at the start of football season as we record this. So I think about what Catherine described. That is, that is the playbook. And we also, the tabletop exercise is really getting out on the practice field. And if you just have the playbook, but you never go out on the practice field and see if those plays work when you have your offense and defense running, you're, you're never going to have confidence in that playbook. And then when you try to use it in, in the face of a real cyber incident, you might realize that some, some of it doesn't work. So look, what we're, we're trying to do is we're saying, look, every company should be running some sort of an incident response tabletop exercise, at least on an annual basis. And it doesn't matter if you're Bank of America or if you're a, you're a small emerging growth portfolio company that's just taken on a major investment from, from a PE fund. It's good practice. And by the way, it's not just a technical exercise. It's not just your cyber and data protection and privacy geeks doing this. You want your CEO, COO, CFO, your management team, your board potentially in the room for at least part of that to understand their role in communications, crisis response, et cetera. And then what we're starting to say at the, at the, at the PE fund level is, yeah, look, as the investors here, right, you're going to be one of the first, first calls a portfolio company is going to make when they get hit. Uh, they're going to be asking you potentially, what what should we do here? Can you help us? So you as a private equity firm want to know what your playbook is, right, for jumping in and supporting one of your portfolio companies if and when they get hit with a cyber attack. Yeah. Well, I guess also, like you're saying, it should be one of the first calls they make. I think one of the issues is, do they know? Does the portfolio company know that one of the first calls they should make yeah. is to the private equity company, which is, again, I, as an investor, like you said, I think it's... And so we talk about this and maybe she could bring some insight here. I think it's like as the main investor, they're going to be getting the private equity firm, if it gets out, are going to be getting tons of questions, right? And if they're not involved, they don't know what happened. You're going to look flat-footed. And frankly, as Gary, you said, it could cause a lot of concern amongst the private equity investors if the private equity firm doesn't know what's going on with their portfolio company. I assume that's one of the major issues. Sheikh, is there any other reasons why you can imagine why a private equity firm would really want to know what's going on at the what portfolio cover level when some type of data incident response happens. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one thing that comes to mind is just the sheer cost of a data incident. According to the most recent uh, IBM report on the cost of a data breach, you know, currently we're at an all-time high in 2023 of $4.45 million per data breach. That's a significant liability that the PE firm needs to know about if their port co is subject to that potential damage. The last thing I'd say here is we, we've seen some PE firms do something really effective where a portfolio company gets hit. Let's say it's with a ransomware attack. They get involved with that port co, kind of ride alongside Saddle, understand what the cleanup is. And then they actually will convene, say, chief information officers or technology leaders from across the portfolio and just do a lessons learned. Hey, this happened to one of our companies. What can we all learn across the portfolio from this? What are some of the safeguards, best practices we want to now put in place portfolio wide to prevent this from happening to others in the portfolio? Yeah. You got to open the kimono there a little bit. It can be, be hard for the port codes, but a lot of value with that sort of information sharing across a portfolio. I wanted to play off of Sheik's point a little bit too. When the cost comes, it used to be years ago, the cost of dealing with the information that was lost or the or notifications or credit monitoring, but that's all shifted. What we see right now, the cost is in actually running down the breach or the incident and then um, recovery. Recovery cost to servers and the, and the impact infrastructure and then operations naturally is actually way higher than anything that relates to um, dealing with the individual data loss. Yeah, so then sort of in the ransomware, in the ransomware context, it may be the private equity firm that's poning up the money. Yeah, um, and then the other thing that they really learn a lot from the tabletops, or something that we really try to stress when we run them, is that you know they, they, there's a lot of decision making that has to go on with very little information. There's very few facts known in yeah. many of the early, I would say, hours, but also even days. You're and you're trying to decide how to handle it and who to notify, and especially with you know the draft regulations where they're going, they may have to be making uh, federal notification as well, then this is something that people need to practice and get comfortable with. And, and I think one of the things, and, and she could talk about this a little too, like one of the purposes of a, of a tabletop exercise, not just what, what the portfolio company and the private equity firm may be involved in, but there should be outside counsel, there should be consultants, all of that should be part of the playbook, right? Because as you said, one of the hard parts is, and these data breaches, is you often don't have full information. And there's these requirements to notify regulators and, and the like, whether it's state or federal level like, And that's always a very difficult thing. And you need legal guidance, right? And I don't think most in-house people, particularly at the portfolio level, probably have a privacy or security in-house person, a security person from that has a legal background, right? I think just we know that because... There's just a shortage of that. So, you know, Sheik, if you could talk a little bit about what is the role of you know, having a law firm and, frankly, why the private equity firm probably should have some say in terms of who the law firm is, insurance, all of, all of those sort of factors, who the consultants are, um, and who should be making those decisions. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, it's important to have those, those parties, you know, outside counsel, your forensic uh, specialists involved even at the tabletop exercise level because a data breach is an emergency. Things are happening quickly. You don't, you know, as Kat said, you don't always have the facts. And when you're trying to run these things down in short order, I think it's easy to overlook some of the uh, important uh, parties you have to get involved. And you know, turning to what you're talking about, Anthony, starting with outside counsel. You know, it's important to have legal counsel involved from the very early stages to ensure, well, A, 
you know, we have expertise in this area. We've dealt with these many times over. We understand the the legal ramifications and downstream impacts of what these data incidents can cause. And also from an overall just preservation of privilege perspective, many of the information that we're going to glean from the investigations conducted by the forensic investigators or just the in-house IT specialists, a lot of that information could potentially, you know, be uh, potentially discoverable downstream if there's some sort of litigation or some sort of investigation that occurs. So having outside counsel involved uh, in the early stages can ensure that we're, you know, applying privilege where appropriate throughout the process. In other party, you want to also make sure that you're notifying, and this is why you want to make sure that the, the PE firm is involved as well, is, is cyber insurance. A lot of the cyber insurance carriers have uh, notification requirements that are really early on, even before you've confirmed that there's an actual data breach. And especially given the cost of these data incidents, you want to make sure that uh, you're looping in your insurance company so coverage doesn't become an issue downstream as well. Yeah, that all makes sense. All right, so I think we've covered everything, but let's. I'm going to go around and see any final thoughts in terms of you know, the tabletop exercise as a sort of tool for private equity firms to, to get to better manage the risks, the, the tech and data risks associated with the portfolio companies. Gary, any final thoughts? I, I just think you learn so much by doing these. That's what we see time and time again is the kind of aha moments, the realization of, hey, things are missing in our communications plan, things are missing in our incident response playbook. As Sheik was saying, wow, there's a much wider or denser ecosystem of constituents that we need to have in the fold and understand when we're engaging them. These things don't come to life in kind of the abstraction of writing a document. They come to life in the reality of a simulated exercise or a tabletop, which is why we're so, we're with such strong proponents of them, private equity, and, and frankly, with all of our clients. Yeah. Catherine? I'd like to play off of Sheik's comment first on the expertise, because, you know, that that I think is what our clients especially benefit from anytime we run a tabletop. As you said, too, bringing in all the experts, we frequently include things like an insurance review of what current insurance is. Um, we do things like um, we, we have the benefit of dealing with so many of these scenarios that we can bring in unique fact patterns that are 100% real life examples. That's something the, the client has never experienced before. Um, and depending on how sophisticated the client is, you know, independent, we can, we can mold that to whatever they're doing. Similarly, we see so many incidents. Uh, we, ha- we have the learnings of like right now, at the time we're recording this, there is a large incident going on that has affected hundreds of companies as well as you know, government agencies and, and all across the world. And so because we have so many clients going through it, we're able to share those, you know, sort of factual learnings between, you know, and, and, and educate people better on, on that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I definitely think this is an area where you need expertise, both from the forensic side, as well as on the legal side. And I think people often, you know, you shouldn't be just using your local counsel for this. You should be getting specialized counsel and a specialized forensic firm who actually has done this before. I think we've known that's incredibly critical. Um, Sheik, any other final thoughts from you? Yeah, just double tapping on the fact that, you know, a data breach is an emergency. This is a, a high stress, fast moving situation when they occur. There's a lot at stake. Uh, just like, you know, we have fire drills that at, at the moment seem inconvenient and not something that we want to put our time, time towards. Um, the reality is it's practice like that that makes us operate the most efficiently uh, when, you know, chaos does occur uh, yeah. and having the right people in the room 
knowing their roles and practicing those roles really makes uh, what could be a catastrophic situation a lot less uh, problematic. Yeah, no, absolutely. um, Certainly good risk management. So thanks, everybody. This was terrific. I think very informative. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, Again, we're going to have more podcasts in this series on how private equity firms can maximize the value of their portfolio companies through effective risk management of tech and data risks. So thanks again, and talk to you soon. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.